Hello and welcome back to the Motorsport Bear Hug podcast. I'm your host DDN joining me today once again is my friend and your co-host Vedant. Uh for the first time back in 2022 we'll just be looking ahead for what the next 12 months will be bringing us in the world of motorsport. So let's grab some chai, take our seats, ready our opinions and dive right into the conversation. Hello Vedant. Um happy new year. This is the first time I'm seeing you this year. uh virtually still but uh it's it's great to be back for our very first podcast of 2022 uh it's been it's been two weeks and it feels like we are we are already falling behind uh in the world of motorsport and there's so much catching up to do there's so much conversation to be had and i'm really excited uh what about you absolutely happy new year to you as well and as you said i mean the world of motorsports is it's just like the cars in it you know it's so fast every week i mean we we have talked about this that every week there is a series going on but even in the winter break even in the de facto resting period there is something or the other going on and yeah yes there is absolutely there is absolutely no rest and in my opinion vedant the next 12 to 24 months are going to be one hell of a period for uh, motorsport you know there's so much new things coming up there's so much Uh, things changing there's there's just like there's a lot happening everywhere whether that whether that is you know uh, rally championships uh, you know single seater racing electric racing um, bikes whatever and uh, we're going to talk about all of that um but you know let obviously first we'll be talking about uh, the recently concluded Dakar uh, rally raid championship um how, i just want to ask you one question how would it feel if you if you had the chance to you know uh begin your new year by going racing in the <laughs> desert i mean I'm, what uh, a way to start their new years i felt so jealous on the 1st of january when i woke up that uh, there were people across the world you know going racing in the desert in one of the most excruciating uh you know uh, racing championships in the world absolutely your first day of the year and you are racing and i mean if you have a good day on on stage 1 you are all set for the entire year you know <laughs> and, and i mean <laughs> for 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 dakar you know the stage 1 is the most important stage in in many many ways and yeah if you have a good stage 1 you are all set for the rest of the year now obviously after qualifying this year uh, you know the first racing stage was not the best stage for a lot of people because of uh, a waypoint issue that they encountered uh, you know uh, in in the directions that they were given so a lot of people lost out uh, you know uh, majorly on being able to compete for the top honors in in this year's championship so you know not everyone had a happy start to the championship however it has concluded on the 14th of january and uh, i think you know there's it 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 was amazing i was following it on youtube obviously we don't have live feed but we we see the highlights and uh, it was just spectacular and now obviously uh as we all know nasser el atia won his fourth dakar championship uh and he did it and he did so in style obviously he also had a couple of hiccups in between and there was a suspended disqualification uh from the governing body that was given to him which was then not you know applied uh because it was it, it was rendered that you know uh, that was just uh, an honest mistake and there was nothing you know no rules were broken um through whatever you know was done uh and then We also had uh, Alexander Giroud won in the quads. Francis Contrado won in the li- light prototype class. Austin Jones won in 
uh, SSV. Uh, Dimitri Sotnikov won in trucks with the unbeatable Kamas team. Uh, and uh, Sam Sunderland won in the bikes category in his second Dakar only. So uh, great news all around for everybody. But I think the talking point of this Dakar was... Uh, the Audi team which came in with a hybrid you know it was most uh, obviously they had a huge battery pack in there which was their primary source but in case the battery drained out during the stage they had a backup hybrid system Uh, they had a small engine in that car which would keep them running and allow them to finish the stages uh, across the rally days yeah absolutely Uh, Sam Sunderland won his second Dakar and not in his second Dakar that was a mistake on my part for the notes but yeah the Audi team like a bring bringing a hybrid car to the dakar for 14 days 600 500 kilometers each day in the desert that was a brilliant challenge and i mean had it not been for the day one issues that they encountered stage one issues that they encountered they would have been serious contenders for I, uh, not only they stage won multiple wins, stages yeah I, I think carlos Sainz won a stage and peter hansel won I a think, stage i think but and yeah. Sebastian Loeb also won a couple stages. Sebastian Loeb was in Pro Drive, so he wasn't driving for. Okay. Oh, sorry. Yeah, he he was in the BRX team. Yeah, yeah. that's right. So, but nonetheless, you know, had like as I said earlier, the stage one was most important, and they had already had a lot of issues in stage one, and other than that, they were fast. They were pretty fast, and Pro Drive's chairman also said that the Audi can kill Dakar in 2023. So let's I mean, see they could have killed goes. it this year, if you remember, before the Dakar started. You know, Audi, obviously, they were bringing a car that had never been to Dakar before. Yeah. It was a different setup. And they had asked for a lot of uh, different allowances, if you may, you know, or like a balance of performance uh, allowance, if you may. Uh, but they weren't granted all the allowances that they requested for. And even then, they came out of, uh, you know, they came came out with a brand new car and just killed it on uh, throughout the championship. Absolutely. So, I mean, it's just, you know, it's, is the it's i mean it everything's moving towards the future and once again we have hybrid cars and hybrid, hybrid cars winning s- stages in in the dakar absolutely brilliant absolutely uh, the only indian at dakar this year was harith noah who uh, encountered or who suffered you know a mechanical failure in stage 10 but still managed a top 25 finish in both the last two stages uh, he also had a couple broken ribs pretty early in the competition you know during stage 7 uh, which just shows the challenges of Dakar and the resilience of those who uh, take up this challenge. Uh, I, I, I really feel, you know, Dakar should be broadcasted uh, across the world, especially for motorsport fans. I feel, you know, this is something that uh, people know about. Uh, they know it's a great challenge, but, you know, I, I don't think you can capture it with words or, you know, just writing articles about it. People need to... Not everyone can experience it firsthand, but, you know, people need to at least see... Uh, what it is about uh, if, if if they can absolutely and I mean not even only motorsports fans you know the Paris Dakar Rally the legendary original Paris Dakar Rally is famous like across the board not only for motorsports fans but even people who don't follow motorsports but have a general understanding of you know sports and all such things so Absolutely, I would love to see Dakar being broadcast in any way, shape or form that they can. Absolutely, Uh, although this Dakar was not without a casualty, uh, our our thoughts and condolences go out to the family and friends of Quentin uh, Lavalle, 
who was unfortunately killed during the laugh during the final stage uh he was a mechanic uh working on the Peugeot 205 that was racing in the Dakar classic uh category so uh yeah uh, sad news there on the very final day of the Dakar championship yeah i mean it's it's quite often it's, that it's not the first time yeah. but uh, you know uh, we, we we never want to lose anyone uh, to motorsport uh, to racing uh hopefully you know um there will be uh, some learnings out of it and hopefully we can make the sport safer in the future um the exact details are not known to me at the moment but uh, obviously uh you know um, i don't want to go prodding about too much either at the same time uh but yeah let's let's uh let's move on to the next thing that we have up here wrc wrc is also going hybrid this year uh the rally 1 rules have finally kicked in uh but not without controversy either obviously this is the 50th champ uh, 50th season of the WRC championship the rally 1 cars will be featuring a 100 kilowatt hybrid system coupled to the existing 380 horsepower 1.6 liter internal combustion engines powered by a 100% sustainable fuel that is capable of producing 500 horsepower in short bursts throughout uh the use of the th- uh, sorry through the use of the hybrid boost lasting up to 10 seconds long um but there are also stages within uh within each of the rally routes that are electric only and uh you know those routes comprise less than 1% at the moment because it's the first year that these manufacturers are up for this challenge but it'll be interesting to see how this progression goes throughout the year and uh you know throughout the next couple of seasons and how uh WRC switches to more electric power instead of the internal combustion power that we've seen uh WRC use for the last 50 years absolutely and i mean wrc are actually having their official launch as we speak right now so as we conclude this podcast we'll just head over to their official <laughs> website and have a look at the cars you know and just get the details but yeah we we start with the wrc season next weekend in monte carlo and although sebastian oger has retired from wrc he is coming back for monte carlo and so is sebastian loeb so that would be a great great event and i mean rally monte carlo is already one of the most iconic events and with both these sebastians coming back for a one off <laughs> event it would be a great fight absolutely it will be great to see uh, you know the two greats of uh, the modern wrc uh, championship uh, come back for one last battle on the streets of monte carlo um but there's obviously more news coming from WRC you know uh, they did switch to hybrid and everything but uh, i think uh, the new FIA president mohammed bin sulaim who's a big uh, uh, you know he's a big supporter of rally racing uh, he's he's really into it um, he he has pointed out over and over again and now that he's president it is one of i believe it will be one of his top priorities that is to get WRC back to its glory days because currently WRC only has three manufacturers them being you know toyota ford and uh, hyundai um and and the fourth manufacturer was Citroen who who dropped out in 2019 and i think Skoda races WRC right now but i think they are in the uh, WRC 2 and WRC 3 yeah. categories uh so obviously he's come out and said that there there needs to be conversation with the manufacturers with with the FIA and there needs to be a promoter uh for WRC and it will be a combined effort and i think WRC finds itself in the same place that Formula 1 uh found itself a couple of years ago you know when when they underwent the rule changes so i think you know wrc has a lot more coming its way and hopefully we'll see a lot more manufacturers uh join wrc in the next 5 to 8 years yeah absolutely and i mean here's the thing you know 
and I think this is true for every branch of motorsports right now, with the new sustainable energy, uh, you know, sustainable fuels and everything kicking in over the next few years. I think more manufacturers would be willing to invest into motorsports than they were a few a couple of years ago, because like that is the future and and manufacturers can display what what they're capable of through motorsports like absolutely. it used to be in the past absolutely and i think there's also been you know uh, a lot of motorsport categories went out of hand and uh, uh, you know like like formula 1 you know the amount of investment required had just become insane yeah. uh, which is why we also saw the lmp1 category suffer in in the endurance racing and things like that and i think uh, all of these series have become a lot more financially uh, aware and uh, more financially savvy so as to you know keep uh, racing alive in those categories which is great to see um, you know as a, as a motorsport fan because you know for me more racing is just better uh, regardless of where or how how we're going racing absolutely uh, talking <laughs> about uh, where and how we are going racing formula e will be uh, hosting its last season with the second gen cars um, but that is not the only season we are getting this year. Obviously, the third gen season uh, of Formula E will be uh, commencing this year too, towards the second half of the year. Uh, and uh, there's a lot, of, a lot of Formula E news coming out. Um, you know, at at the moment, I think the biggest news uh, that came out this past week was that Maserati will be joining Formula E from Gen Three, and this will be the first factory single seater effort from Maserati since 1957, uh, when Fangio won his last championship. Uh, I think that's that's big news and surprising news also. Obviously, there was talk about, you know, uh, the Stellantis group or previously the FCA group, who would they come with? Because there was news that the Stellantis group was looking to join the Formula E fold. Uh, but, uh, you know, there was still confusion on who would who the stalwart would be, which, which brand would come into Formula E. And it's finally Maserati. And I believe there's more coming from Maserati because uh, I think there's a resurgence. Obviously, Maserati has a huge racing history. And I think there's a, there'll be a revival of that racing history over the coming few years, especially with the work they're doing both in their automotive sector and now that they are joining uh, racing again uh, full time. Yeah, absolutely. It's I mean, it's one of those stories, you know, when like when Lotus rejoined Formula One, even though it was under different ownership, but still it was the Lotus brand. And it's it's things like that that make you like make even older generation fans get involved in the new aspects of the sport as such. Absolutely. Um, Formula E season kicks off uh, on the 20th of Jan in Diria. Um, obviously, uh, you know, uh, the last time we went to Diria with Formula E, there were some safety concerns. Hopefully that won't be the case this year. And uh, we should also note that this is the last time that the Mercedes EQ Formula E team will be on the grid. Uh, they will be buy buying out of Formula E at the end of this season uh thoughts about that Vedant well I think it's strange because I mean we, everyone's been everyone had been talking about Formula E is the future electric is the future and Mercedes came in to join that party and they win the championship and now they're leaving and I mean even BMW when they came in they had a good couple of seasons they dropped a little in the last season and they went like they went away and Audi sub I mean the, the most surprising for me was Audi because they were one of the original teams in Formula E and they were one of the biggest pushers of Formula E 
biggest supporters of Formula E, and now they have left the sport as well. So it's I mean I, it's a, it's a strange think, situation to be in, but yeah, I don't know what's going on behind the scenes. I I think Formula E should set itself on a path of becoming you know uh, the next generation or like the electric version of the World IndyCar Series. You know, like uh, IndyCar is obviously yeah. IndyCar used to used to travel abroad, but now it is solely based in uh, in uh, you know in the US. Uh, but I think Formula E can grab this opportunity and grab the markets that are uh, currently vacant uh, in a way and become you know a lot more spec series like which is why a lot of these manufacturers have left uh, and invite you know a lot more privateer teams to join the series and uh, go racing to promote uh, their uh, version of the sustainability journey that uh, that they that they are about. Yeah, it's uh, I mean it's one way, but yeah. We'll see, yeah. you know, Gen 3 is a very exciting time for Formula E. And we all obviously had talks about McLaren joining earlier, but McLaren said that we won't consider it at the moment. But yeah, still, you know, Maserati joining. Yeah, Ma- and McLaren was deciding between Formula E and Extreme E, and then yeah. they went the Extreme E route, yeah. So, but, but with Maserati joining, there's still potential for, you know, other manufacturers to join in and be part of the show. Yeah, um, I mean, uh, it, with Mercedes leaving, I believe, and and with Audi, you know, uh, they have left. I guess uh, already. I think I think the door's wide open for Jaguar to finally grasp this opportunity and win on Sunday and sell on Monday. Yeah. <laughs> if I may have after the uh, after the kind of uh, you know uh, season they had last year, uh, came really close to winning with Sam Bird, I believe, uh, but it just didn't pan out in the last race for them, uh, and Mercedes took both top honors. Uh, but talking about endurance racing now, Vedant, I think endurance racing is the most exciting uh, proposition in motorsport right now. Uh, we obviously have the LMDH category coming up this year. Uh, we'll have uh, three teams, I believe. Uh, Peugeot, uh, Signatec Alpine, and uh, Toyota, right? And uh, Glickenhaus. And Glickenhaus, yeah, that's right. Four teams in the category. I think there was some news with Peugeot earlier, uh, earlier in the week that, you know, they were just looking to compete in the Le Mans race, uh, but I think uh, the WEC uh, organizers told uh, Peugeot that they'll have to compete in one of the races before Le Mans in order to be eligible, you know, in order to be allowed to participate in Le Mans, in the, in the 24 hours of Le Mans. So uh, we'll see what happens with the Peugeot entry, you know, that's something to keep an eye on. Uh, but uh, obviously we, we, ha- we have much more teams joining that category next year. And, Absolutely. Uh, now and now LMDH uh, LMDH cars prototype cars will also be eligible for the IMSA um, you know prototype uh, series. So we'll have a lot more cars on track uh, throughout the year for endurance racing. Absolutely, that convergence and that you know common common ground for both the cars, both the series, with Audi coming in, with Ferrari coming in, with Porsche coming in. It's and uh, Bicolors was about to join this season, but they had some issues, so they'll join in next season. So with all these cars coming, all these teams joining endurance racing once again, it would be like the seventies and sixties and seventies once again, when every great manufacturer, every great racing manufacturer, is on the grid at Le Mans and at Daytona and at Sebring, you know, and fight it out. Yep, yep. Uh, the wet calendar does kick off in se- uh, with with the thousand hours of Sebring this year in March. Obviously, there are question marks surrounding it because of 
you know the omicron variant that has been surging through the americas uh, which also you know um, obviously we'll come to f1 in a moment's time uh, but it poses question marks over the miami gp which is scheduled for uh, may <laughs> i believe and other things surrounding you know uh, uh, f1 and where they are going but we we will come to that in a moment um another big news in lmp2 prema will be joining the endurance racing series uh, wec uh, and i think that is great news for you know not just not just people who who have come to know know prema from the junior racing series but for the drivers that you know prema recruits and develops through these junior racing series for the future and i believe uh, you know this provides uh, this provides an amazing opportunity for those um, you know who want to expand the racing portfolio and uh, they can't be a better team than prema at all i believe yeah absolutely and i mean we never see a junior team like system in endurance racing essentially but i think with prema coming in and with ferrari ferrari coming in later like a couple of years later or whenever their partnership their existing partnership and other than that you know prema would obviously want to use their own drivers their young drivers and the other teams can then you know hire them for for uh for the Running top for the top class top class yeah hypercars hypercars yes, yes. and lmdh um in other endurance racing news I, i in my opinion this was the biggest news coming out of imsa at least and that was that um alex polo and scott dixon will be teaming up uh for the imsa series for uh, obviously the chip ganassi cadillac racing team and i i i am just so excited <laughs> to see both of them race in the series together uh and in in the other you know uh, chip ganassi cadillac uh, racing team's car you know in in, in imsa we'll have kevin magnussen and uh, marcus ericsson yeah absolutely. so that is just insane and i can't wait to see what these guys can do obviously scott dixon is a veteran of indycar <laughs> uh and you know uh he's got a huge fan following and Alex Polo just won IndyCar last year in in only his second season so a lot of talent there in the Chip Ganassi team and i i just feel like you know Chip Ganassi is going to wipe the floor with everyone obviously that's not true there's a lot of talent in that series but i'm just so excited to you know see these guys go endurance racing uh and uh it it, it just can't get any better i feel absolutely and i mean as you said earlier that this is the most exciting time for endurance racing we have seen in a long long while and as long as teams and drivers join keep joining uh, endurance racing and you know just keep competing because what we see with endurance racing is that drivers can compete in multiple series like drivers who are competing yeah. in in imsa and in vec do compete in multiple series so that is just awesome and 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 now they don't have to divide their time between the two series you know because uh, yeah, the absolutely. series has been designed to work in in tandem with e- with each other so that's great and obviously as we speak the lemo virtual uh, 24 hour race is live at the moment and max verstappen took the lead in lap 1 and is just sailing away with with uh, with the race lead uh, i think when we checked uh, we were uh, when i checked last week uh, we were 4 hours into the race and max verstappen was like 30 seconds into the yeah. lead Uh, once again being a thorn in the side of the mercedes uh, esports mercedes amg esports <laughs> team who are currently running second uh, man max verstappen has really really caused some pain uh, to the mercedes camp <laughs> ever since 2021 happened uh, but uh, yeah it's 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 been great i've been following that um 
couple years ago if, if, i i i would have never thought sim racing would have been so huge but uh, you know sim racing has definitely overtaken the world and uh, i won't be surprised once the once metaverse is a thing uh, <laughs> that you know uh, we will yeah. we'll have just as many racing series in the metaverse as we have in the real world today absolutely that would be a i mean that's something <laughs> Yeah. I mean yeah I I I I'm not exactly excited about it but uh, you know uh people definitely are so you know yeah. uh more the merrier I guess uh now I'm talking about F1 you know uh FIA have finally broken the silence on the Abu Dhabi GP fiasco and we can expect a report and some rule changes uh at the next uh F1 race now obviously they came out and said uh that uh they came out and said that uh they won't be releasing any um like the results of the investigation until the very first race of the season so there is still a long wait you know obviously we'll go through testing and everything and then uh, finally when we race in bahrain for the fo- in bahrain right yeah bahrain in bahrain for the first race of the season uh, <laughs> we'll we'll get to know you know uh, the results of the investigation uh, obviously we still have silence from uh, lewis hamilton and his team uh and uh the contro- not the controversy but the confusion around his future still still carries on and i've said this before and i'll say this again uh, i believe lewis lewis hamilton will not be leaving f1 anytime soon he's going to be back and he's going to be better than ever and if i were to make a prediction right now i'd say you know mercedes will still have the most dominant car in uh in f1 starting 2022 just based just solely based on their engine prowess and uh and you know trust me uh i will not uh, you know people have got on the ferrari bandwagon and what not uh, <laughs> but i will be hedging my bets against a very close field at the start of the season i'll be very happy if that is the case but i'll be hedging my bets against it and the reason i'll be doing so is because uh, we haven't heard great news about the 2022 car as of yet obviously nico hulkenberg has been driving uh, the 2022 cars in the simulator somewhere and he said that they aren't uh, you know what people expected them to be obviously he hasn't driven that driven an actual car in the wake of another car or you know while following another 2022 car but he says he doubts that they'll be any better you know the racing will be any better than the current um than the current situation so you know things aren't looking that great on that front but you know keeping our fingers crossed for the future yeah i mean the the 2022 regulations that are coming in the the whole hype around it and the whole you know hopes around it is that the racing will improve and and things like that but if what hulken nico hulkenberg has said is true then we are in for a very like you know very dull few seasons <laughs> very disappointing season yeah. but the thing is uh, the thing is like you know it, it's going to be interesting in some way or the other like e- e- even with the current cars we saw this year right as long as the field is close yeah uh, we'll we'll get some entertaining racing so i'm not saying it's not going to be entertaining i'm just going to i'm just saying that i'm going to hedge my bets it's, so that i'm not disappointed yeah. when the 2022 <laughs> season finally starts yeah uh, oh, i mean maybe it's that, maybe again, it's just know, like Aston said, martin's car you know that's <laughs> <laughs> but again as i said you know nico hasn't really driven uh driven the car for real or you know he hasn't uh tried racing with that car yeah. so uh i mean obviously there, there is some truth to what to what is what he is saying but there there isn't a lot of evidence to you know uh to showcase that this is in fact uh the case in it in its entirety so you know uh, let's not hope uh, let's not lose hope 
uh, and uh, you know let's let's wait until March to see what is really happening um, with these 2022 regulations. But we don't have to wait that long to get excited about Formula One because the liveries <laughs> and the cars will be getting uh, w- w- will be get uh, sorry. The li- I'm, I'm losing words now. Yeah, the li- liveries uh, will launch in Feb. Yeah, the launches will happen yeah. starting Feb, uh, February 10th. So, you know, the hype is already there. I'm already looking forward to it. Uh, I'm so glad Formula E and WRC season is starting before that because that will help me fill my weekends with racing <laughs> uh, before Formula One finally gets underway. Uh, but in bigger news, you know, Aston Martin has replaced Odmar Snavzar with Mike Crack, who was the former BMW Motorsport boss. And at the same time, Marcin Butkowski but, but has left Alpine. Um, big news, you know, Otmar, when the news came out last year that Otmar was leaving uh, Aston Martin for Alpine, uh, Otmar came out and said, you know, I'm loyal to this team, I'm never going to leave, mm, you know, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. But uh, something definitely happened over the winter break uh, that uh, either Otmar didn't see coming or... Uh, I, I I just believe there's there's a there's a conspiracy theory somewhere in there <laughs> that I'm not entirely sure about. Uh, but that is just and it's just you know interesting to see that someone who's been with the team for so long uh, has has finally left. And I wonder if that is that has something to do with uh, the relationship that Otmar and uh, Lawrence Stroll might have. Uh, and you know if, if if there's like I said you know if there's a conspiracy theory there. But I'm not gonna make any comments. I don't know anything about um, their relationship. Obviously Ot- obviously Otmar and uh, Lawrence worked together for three years, for the last three years, ever since, uh, you know, Lawrence bought out the team. But um, who knows what happened there. And uh, I didn't like Marcin Butkowski join the Alpine team uh, after Cyril left. No, no, Marcin was already at Alpine during Cyril's tenure. Yeah, he was the, I think think Marcin was the technical head and Cyril was the team principal, something like that. Okay. Uh, but yeah, again, again, uh, you know, interesting to see that uh, two really big names in Formula One, two really, you know, uh, two team principals leaving Formula One, their respective teams uh, at the start of the 2022 season, at the start of the pro- what is probably the most important season for the next 10, 15 years. Uh, and uh, th- yeah, I, d- I don't know, like, like you know, uh, how they are going to recover from this. Obviously, you know, um, Aston has already announced the replacement, but it's it, it, it just, you know, begs the question, you know, how, what kind of impact is it going to have on the team? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, there have been, you know, news reports and in on F1 webs, on the F1 journalism sites that the relationship between Stroll and Otmar were not too great. And Otmar was just put, portraying a, you know, happy figure or what, whatever. But in the end, I think for Otmar to leave the team Silverstone per se, is a great shame for for that team. Uh, but then again, Lawrence Stroll has big, big plans for Aston Martin. And this might be just one of those, you know, uh, stepping stones, I mean, basically. L- L- Lawrence Stroll is, is a very successful businessman, as we know, right? Uh, but uh, is F1... Is, is, he, is he pushing his luck a little too hard in F1 than he should? I mean, I'm not saying like he's ambitious and, you know, you need all of these things to be successful in F1, but you also need to be patient. And Otmar is someone who's been successful in F1 with the least amount of resources for the Absolutely. longest time that we've known him for. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, getting getting rid of someone like Otmar might cost him a few more years than than he might be willing to put up with F1 for. Uh, yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, absolutely. As I said, you know, at 
Atman leaving Aston Martin was a great shame. But even, you know, even Alpine and Aston Martin, like together, both of them, if you look at it, both these teams have their most important season in 2022. Both of them are looking to move a, a few steps up in that ladder, make the most of those 2022 new regulations. And, and for these uh, leadership changes to happen in, this, in January, in fact, is it's very surprising and it's very strange so and we don't even know who like what what is the new leadership structure at alpine and who is the new team principal at alpine yet so it's going to be i, I guess like you one. know there's never a good time for for an f1 team to make leadership changes but yeah. uh, in the middle of a huge technical overhaul uh, i just don't see how how they could have you know I I think this is like the worst time in the last two years to make make a make a you know uh, change in the leadership structure. But uh, I might be wrong. You know, obviously these teams have a lot more resources than uh, my little brain can process. <laughs> uh, so hopefully, yeah. hopefully they're making the right decisions and you know they're putting the right people in the right places so that we can get some more exciting racing. Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, again, you know, Alpine let go of uh, Cyril last year. and now they are letting go of marsin this year so i mean we talk they talked about the whole restructuring thing and it, how it will work for them and who knows what's going on there but yeah yep yep uh yeah and uh in formula d in f- formula 2 and formula 3 news this year god i'm really losing my words uh they returned to their uh, usual weekend format with two races each weekend and uh, a lot more weekends than we had this year obviously with this year we went to a seven weekend format for each of the racing series uh, for F2 F3 and W series but we'll have i think 14 or 15 weekends in F2 and F3 this year with each weekend having two races it'll be inter- it'll be interesting to see how this impacts the scheduling for uh, W series in 2022 yeah. and uh, how they go about it um, so i'm i'm curious about that But in greater F2 news, Cem Bolukbasi has made history after securing a drive in the next season's, obviously this season's FIA Formula 2 Championship, becoming the first ever person to get into F2 from sim racing. Obviously, he's he's done some GT racing before, and uh, some other categories, but uh, the first time in uh, such such a higher level high level of single seater racing. So you know, great for him, and uh, and uh, this just goes to show how bright a future sim racing holds. uh and the kind of impact that sim racing might have in in the in the coming years yeah i mean it's it's sensational what what he has he has been able to achieve and and i mean i i remember when the first time a sim racer came to actual motorsports at the top level was when nissan had their car in le mans nismo program yeah. yeah and there was one guy i think it, it was two people who were two sim racers who were part of that program no nissan failed miserably in in lemo and we never saw both of them anywhere else but to think about like back then it was a joke and now it is a real prospect so this sim racing has come a long long way and yeah it's it's great to see like it's great to see more doors open up for drivers for people to join uh, to join motorsports i mean even, even the top level motorsport drivers you know lando norris max verstappen uh, the indigo 
the indica guys everybody is involved in sim racing these days there's not a single person who's not uh, you know involved in sim racing except a handful almost it's, yeah. it's it's almost the other way around like it used to be 2 years ago you know we have roman grojo who who has his own sim racing team now uh and uh it's yeah it's just great fun for everyone uh and i okay so i have also been looking into sim racing recently and uh obviously gran turismo 7 will be coming out this year and <laughs> that is a huge you know uh opportunity for a lot of people to get jump back into sim racing especially gran turismo fans who've been waiting for a new sim racing launch from that uh particular brand uh and uh fanatic has obviously partnered up with gran turismo uh, i think polyphony digital is the name of the company uh responsible for gran turismo and they have come out with the first ever you know budget ps5 uh sim racing bundle uh so you know a lot of exciting stuff there for uh people who who will be playing uh who 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 like to sim race on their console on their ps5 console uh so much much coming from fanatic there too and uh i have been thinking about it but uh we'll see you know it's it's still a lot of money <laughs> yeah i mean people aren't <laughs> to, people uh, aren't even buy. getting their ps5s even now so Well, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, I mean, you know, you can obviously start sim racing on your PC, but yeah. uh, if you don't already have a setup, it it just costs a lot more than buying than buying one of those gaming consoles. But uh, yeah, I've been thinking about it. We'll see what happens. Obviously, you know, uh, uh, Grand Turismo deliveries only start uh, later in March, so uh, we we still have a couple of months to ponder this issue <laughs> 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 before before committing to a decision. But uh, yeah. uh we'll talk about formula regional india and f4 india in a, in a, in a little bit uh because uh, there's more conversation to be had there but talking about moto gp uh moto gp has had some rule changes this year and i feel ducati is looking primed properly for a championship battle with peko banaya this year peko banaya did not have a great season last year but he ended the season really strong with a few wins in the last few races uh ducati has obviously won uh the constructors championship for the last 2 years and i think with the crop of riders that ducati has uh they are primed for a great run in moto gp for the next few years i th- i think the only time ducati won in the moto gp class was with casey stoner and uh it's been pretty dry for ducati you know on both sides uh of history uh e- except for casey stoner <laughs> and uh we've always had japanese manufacturers be on top of you know bike racing but i think finally there will be something for the italian uh, you know racing fans to cheer for yeah absolutely i'm i mean peko banyana did not have a bad season last year he absolutely blitzed it in the second half of the season he had a poor start but yeah the second half was absolutely sensational from him he got what four five wins and four five poles in the last six races something like that so absolutely brilliant in that end But yeah, and I mean, I remember Casey when Casey Stoner won MotoGP. All the posters, all the bike posters were about him and his, you know, number one uh, Australian flag, number one that that logo. But and it would be great to see Peko Banyanya in a Ducati, it an Italian in an Italian bike, get you know. that championship yep it's everything antonio giovanazzi was trying to do an f1 yeah. but peko banaya still has a chance in moto gp oof uh, but yeah <laughs> in other moto gp news valentino rossi has uh, declared that he'll be competing in the gt world challenge challenge europe championship uh, after missing out on the gulf 12 hours race uh, earlier this year um 
but yeah it's, it's still great to see Valentino Rossi go racing you know the doctor the number 46 will live on uh, obviously he has a team in uh, MotoGP and Moto2 I think uh, uh, so obviously he's, he's still pursuing racing full time uh, but uh, in, in more than one way now uh, so it, it's great to see the doctor still still involved in, in, in the industry it's still great to see the doctor involved in the industry absolutely and I think he he pretty clearly you know laid it out that he still wants to race be it four wheels or two or anywhere else and this is like the GT World Challenge is just the first step we might see him uh, a few other places so yeah it's going to be uh, I think uh, Daniel Ricardo also did an interview uh, recently where he came out and said that if he had the choice uh, early in his year in, in you know when, when he was a kid uh, he would have gotten into uh, two-wheeler racing instead of uh, four-wheelers, and it was only because of his family. I think he said uh, that uh, he was uh, he was allowed to only do four-wheeler racing, and he wasn't allowed to do two-wheeler racing, which is why he's in uh, Formula One and not in MotoGP. So you know, <laughs> we might see Daniel Ricciardo going the other route after he's yeah. done with his F1 career. Uh, you know, hopefully not anytime soon, but uh, in, in in the future, we might see Daniel Ricciardo racing Moto3 or Supercross or something. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, Kimi Raikkonen started. Fun. Kimi Raikkonen started his motorsports career with a bike and he owns a motocross yeah, yeah. bike, a motocross team and he bikes regularly with his son. So yeah, these, you know, the motorsport DNA, be it cars or bikes or whatever, it's, it's just, it just is there with each one of us. Like, yep. And then we had uh, Fernando Alonso breaking his uh, face by <laughs> just being on a bicycle. Yeah. Well. <laughs> Uh, and then there was also, I think, uh, news about Mark Marquez. I think he suffered an eye injury and the doctors aren't sure how long it will take for him to heal. Uh, Mark Marquez has definitely had a rocky return to MotoGP after his, uh, you know, surgery and accident a couple of years ago. Uh, but he did win last year at, uh, I think, uh, it's called, the circuit's called Schassen Ring or something like that in Germany. Yeah, he won so, the German. No, he did German have Rocky, a win to yeah. his name. Yeah, he did win, have a win to his name last year. But obviously, we, we want to see Mark Marquez, uh, you know, at the top. Um, of the championship like like he had been for literally every season that I can remember in MotoGP yeah. except <laughs> the last two years. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, in, in NASCAR, we also have the next-gen NASCARs uh, getting introduced this year. They already have done the preseason testing uh, that has commenced. And we also had drivers, you know, uh, not just test independently, but also test as a group to check out how the cars behave uh, in, in a group, you know, while drafting, while racing, and uh, in, in those scenarios. Uh, and there have been mixed reactions from the drivers, but it's always, in, you know, nice to see uh, any, any racing series move forward uh, with the technical regulations and uh, the technology that is being uh, used across. Um, in IndyCar, I think the biggest news at the beginning of the year... Uh, was that uh, Gavin Ward, who's an ex-Red uh, Bull engineer, who's an ex-Penske, uh, I think, engineer, yep. uh, has moved to Alo McLaren SP and Gavin Ward. Uh, you know, he's won championships in both F1 and in uh, IndyCar. So it has been a huge signing from Alo McLaren SP. And this comes in the wake of their, you know, uh, in the wake of their success in IndyCar over the last couple of years. And this goes to show how seriously uh, Adam McLaren SP intend to compete uh, at, at the very top level. And, you know, it has IndyCar, I believe, this year will be even more exciting than it has been over the last, you know, five to ten years. Because uh, instead of having a three-horse race between Andretti, Penske and Ganassi, 
IndyCar will have a five-horse race between uh, obviously those three teams and Adam McLaren SP and Maya Shank Racing. Last year we saw Maya Shank Racing do really well with Jack Harvey and then win uh, the Indy 500 with uh, Helio Castro Neves, for which I was there, uh, <laughs> thankfully. Uh, so it, it's, I think the IndyCar season is going to be really, really exciting this year. Uh, given the crop of races that they have and the teams, you know, the number of teams that that, that are going to be competing at the very top level. Uh, and uh, in addition to all of this, we'll have Callum Eilert and Christian Lungard in their first full rookie season in IndyCar. So even more eyes from, you know, the world of F1 will be on the world of IndyCar uh, this year. Yeah, absolutely. I think the, you know, McLaren and Shank and... Uh, Graham Letterman Racing, all these teams pushing the traditional top three to their limits and beating them is is brilliant for the sport. And it's, I mean, a five-horse race or a six-horse race in, in IndyCar is going to be pretty special because IndyCar already is way too competitive for our Formula One minds to comprehend, right? But... <laughs> To see a five, six, like five teams competing, each team has two or three cars. To see that level of competition at the top of the grid is going to be special. And obviously, Callum Allard and Christian Lungard coming to IndyCar, as you said, is going to bring a lot more eyes to IndyCar. But in, in addition to that, I think, and we talked about this last year, that this once again opens up a path of you know european drivers moving over to uh to to the us and to the like, americas yeah. yeah and i mean not just open up the part but that trend continues to grow and it can be a real exactly. phenomena in in the coming years i mean especially with you know uh, i mean obviously formula one has like a lower number of seats but uh, it usually happens that uh the seats in in the top teams in formula one are occupied for multiple years uh and there isn't you know a chance for the best drivers to move into formula one yeah. often like we saw this year with oscar piastri you know he has struggled and he'll just be in the development driver role for alpine so uh i won't be surprised you know given another year if he can't get into it that he'll look for a move into into indycar or another top level racing series uh and um i don't see it as f1 losing racing talent uh, I mean, obviously there is there is that, but uh, I think it's it's better that these drivers uh, who were set for F1 are still involved in the highest level of motorsport, such that you know if if a chance opens up, uh, they're still able to make that jump from uh, IndyCar or wherever they're racing back into Formula One, because it's 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 not that we haven't seen uh, racers from you know different backgrounds race race in Formula One. It's just that it's a little less common than you know simply moving up the series and finally getting into moving up, you know, the junior formulas and finally getting into F1. We had Brendan Hartley who made a um, made a jump into F1. Obviously, he was not very successful. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it, it's, it's, not, it's not unlikely. Yeah, absolutely. And as you said, if the right opportunity comes along, any, can, any top driver can make a jump from endurance racing or IndyCar to Formula 1 quite, you know, substantially. And and if, if, if I were... A, a junior driver, right, a, a young driver coming up through the ranks, I would want to be a part of uh, the McLaren uh, junior driver program because McLaren has its, uh, you know, teeth in both in Formula 1 and in IndyCar. So that just opens up all the avenues that one can possibly dream of. Absolutely. And 
surprisingly though mclaren do not have a large junior driver roster right i think there's only one american driver in there but uh, i i'm not remembering his name but yeah i don't think they have a large roster as of now yeah they they don't really have a large roster now and talking about junior programs uh, i think this is the first time in a pretty long time that ferrari does not have a junior in formula 2 at all oh yeah that is true <laughs> there will not be a single ferrari junior yeah. in formula 2 absolutely so you know uh, that just goes to show uh, yeah anyway mm-hmm. uh, let's let's come to the most important uh, topic of of this podcast and the most heartbreaking topic too uh, formula regional india and f4 india has been postponed uh, until november of this year uh, because of covid and um, you know i was so excited you know in in less than 3 4 weeks we would have had uh formula regional india happening uh for five weekends straight and now we'll have to wait until november obviously uh it's because of covid concerns but uh heart heartbreaking nonetheless yeah absolutely and i mean i was looking to go for the testing and round one at both international circuit but uh yeah in november i think i mean when you look at the bright side more they have a more time more time to you know attract drivers attract teams as such and i think uh aditya patel had an interview with the f1 feeder series f1 feeder series.com or whatever that blog is i don't remember that name right now but he said that a lot of the drivers he talked to who were involved are very very excited and they still want to come back in november and since it gives them uh you know super license points it is very important for these drivers and i don't think they'll lose interest when it goes to november i think they'll only gain interest yeah and i think uh, especially for you know obviously they have a ju- they have you what you could call a junior driver program like uh, indycar where you know whoever wins formula 4 uh, goes into formula has 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 a sponsored seat in formula regional and then whoever wins formula regional has a sponsored seat in F- f3 asia with mumbai falcons um and i think i i don't know if this is g- good or not but i think uh from an audience perspective you know uh w- watching whoever wins formula regional india participate in formula 3 asia will be will will be a better experience in a way because there will be a sense of continuity because you know you'll you'll have the formula formula regional india at the end of the year and then at the very beginning of the next year you'll have a formula 3 asia where uh, this particular driver whoever wins formula regional india will participate with the mumbai falcons so i think uh, that will be great although i guess you know uh, that driver from driver's perspective it may be argued that you know the development time uh, might be shortened uh, because of that and uh, I know those kind of things you know but uh, you know fr- from an audience perspective I think that's a bonus. Yeah I mean at the end of the day it's the same machinery in Formula Regional India and Formula Regional Asia. So it won't be yeah. a big jump for them it's just that the competition in Asia in the Asian series is usually more because it's an older series. So I think that is about like that would be the only you know challenging factor as such but yeah it's i mean it's interesting to like it will be in november and the most important thing is that it is only because of covid and not because of you know 
any other financing or organizing other, issues yeah, something like that yeah. uh, exactly exactly um yeah and uh, it was also interesting to read in the same article from f1 feeder series uh, it was uh, i guess you know that uh, they're actually looking to get tv broadcasting rights uh, you know uh, so that it it will be broadcasted throughout the world or at least i'm hoping at least uh, across india uh, and if I, and i guess they're also looking at broadcasting uh, you know through youtube if nothing comes through uh, to fill the gaps in different regions you know uh, for for broadcasting so i'm really excited about that it'll be really great to see you know to be able to watch uh, the series obviously it'll be towards the end of the season you know uh, so i'm hoping the timings don't clash with uh, other uh, high level you know uh, premium categories of motorsport like f1 and uh, indica indica will be done by then but like formula e and things like that uh, so let's see what happens you know now we obviously we have another 8 months 8 uh, to 10 months to wait for more news and uh, hopefully we will we'll, we'll have an interview or two with with the people involved in this venture um but uh, that's really all you know th- like i said we've we've been here for over 50 minutes uh talking about motorsport of what is to yeah. come and <laughs> i can't be any more excited about uh 2022 i'm telling you this is going to be the greatest 12 months of motorsport uh ever in 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 in, in our lifetime at least <laughs> yeah absolutely and i mean surprisingly you know there are so many series that are introducing new regulations brand new regulations overall this season and you know a couple of seasons up and down it's it's a great transition period as such and we because we have formula 1 wrc we have uh, the vec series we have wrx introducing electric cars and all these yes yes that do yeah <laughs> although although that that is a bit that is that, that is a bit annoying because you know uh, i I'd, i'd still rather have uh all the hot hatches race around uh yeah. dirt and asphalt <laughs> tracks autocross tracks then have some electric cars go around uh so you know that's a bit disappointing but uh you know it's 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 okay yeah well anyway so we have all these new regulations coming in across the world of motorsports and with that we have a lot of new drivers coming up the next generation of drivers as such alex palou won in indica max verstappen won in Formula One, and uh, Nick Devry won in Formula talking E. Talking about that, yeah, talking about winning, Jehan Darwala might finally yeah. have a great <laughs> chance at winning the Formula Two series this year. How did we not mention that before? God. Yeah. Uh, I feel Vedant. If we keep going, we're gonna be here for the next <laughs> hour too. So it's it's time to wrap yeah. up. I hate to cut you short, uh, but uh, oh my god, like <laughs> it's going to yeah, be this, mega. This is what happens when you don't when when you don't talk about. when you don't talk about motorsports for, for a, a few long, weeks long you know time, we haven't yeah. <laughs> we didn't do an episode since uh, you know abu dhabi so we skipped then skipped christmas we skipped new years and then we skipped last week and it's just you know all piled up and it just wants to come <laughs> out all at once all that excitement uh, so this is what's going to happen but yeah it was great talking to you again vedant any final thoughts don't make it long <laughs> well no i'm just exciting it's going to, i'm just excited it's going to be mega 2022 Let's go. <laughs> Absolutely and more content coming your way from us. Uh so yeah stay tuned uh for all all the all the nonsense that we're going to be talking about <laughs> over the next year. Uh thank you for joining us once again. Thank you Vedant and we'll catch you very very shortly on the next one. We have some special content coming up for you. Uh so yeah catch you on the next one.